Welcome to another episode of the Pie Chat Box. In this world today, we hope for peace and unity. It is no surprise we still do hope, yet we still fight owing to our differences, be it cultural, tribal, religious, and political. When more civil wars happen, many bleed, and more physically and emotionally. They lose homes, family, and friends, and a life they once had. Refugees are a result of these wars, these differences, and the lack of unity in most situations. So they flee for peace and safety. In this episode, I'll have a guest speaker, Samuel Tiak Guy, a victim of the civil wars in South Sudan. He'll be sharing his story today. So stay tuned and listen. Welcome again to the Pacha Box. Today I have a special guest, Samuel. Samuel, I truly appreciate uh, that you accepted my invite to be on the show. And when we last talked about being on the show, my interest was about your story as a former refugee. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, my story of war in Southern Sudan is like quite uh, different because uh, the first two wars happened when I was not born. Yeah. And those who experienced those two wars are my parents and my uncles. And then the third war happened when I was in Kenya already and my family was back in Southern Sudan. Yeah. So when you mentioned uh, the third war, the third war, that one was super recent and that was 2013, right? So uh, earlier on when we talked, you mentioned you first uh, went to Kenya uh, with your grandma as she was visiting your uncles and aunts, right? So what was that experience where you had to leave Sudan and go to Kenya, we just, uh, because you, you went there with your grandma. So how was that? Uh, my first trip to Kenya was uh, fun because yeah. I fly for the first time yeah. uh, with my grandmother and we landed in Loki, Tokyo. Yeah. And from there, my uncle came for us and we went to Kakuma. Yeah. And then like uh, in the calm, that's where I started my, uh, school yeah and i joined a great one and i continued there for like four years before i went back to south sudan okay so uh i i should know but i don't quite uh have a lot to say about the camp life what is it like uh living in, in kakuma it's one of the well-known camps around the world actually uh because uh it's 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 been home for a lot of refugees uh not only south sudanese uh, somalis and so lots of sudanese uh, and lots of south sudanese uh, lots of um somalians uh, congolese congolese burundis burundis Rwandese. so tell me a little bit about it what was the exposure to that seeing people from different backgrounds in a, in a camp like that. Yeah, uh, Kakuma 
has all the refugees and most of the people are from East Africa yeah. and most of the refugees came from Central Africa. Yeah. And like we live in a group of like 50, 50 families together and then there is another group and another group that yeah. way. Yeah. And you get to know uh, different people, you get to learn different culture. Yeah. And the host community are also nice people. So we share a lot of, with them. And the hard part was like uh, the kind of services that we used to get from the UN agencies. Yeah. So that's one thing that made life into the camp hard because like you will be given a food yeah. for 15 days. And yeah. if you finish it before uh, the next day for you to receive the ration food, then you have to sleep without having anything to eat. So to expound on that, you mentioned it was it was kind of subcalculated amounts of food given to the people. Yeah. So what what kinds of foods were these in particular? If you don't mind listing some of them. Oh like, yes. Uh, so some... bags of rice, bags of beans, and yeah, it's yeah. We used to get like uh, wheat flour and yeah. then corns, yeah. which is maize, and we will get some kind of uh, vegetable oils. Yeah. And salt. Yeah. Yeah, like each uh, each month they will try to give us different food yeah. so that we will be having balanced diet. Yeah. Yeah. So in this run in a span of about 15 days, so twice a month they would do this, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, twice a month. Yeah. Yeah, and then like currently they are, they are trying to change that system yeah. because they introduce a system whereby they will give you uh, money so yeah. that you'll go to the shops and... Yeah. You buy what you need for the first 15 days. Yeah. And then by the end of the month, they will give you food yeah. that you can use yeah. and keep for the, uh, for the another two weeks period. So knowing the situation now that you've experienced it, which system works better? Uh, I will say the system where you are given the money to buy what you uh, need. But what if someone gets superly excited and buys uh, expensive food? Yeah, it's not <laughs> even expensive food. Some of the people will usually go and tell the uh, the shopkeepers that instead of them having food, yeah. they will need to have money yeah. so that they will go and buy clothes and other things. Yeah. So that way, the people will not get like the food and the nutrition that they were supposed to get. Uh. And they will spend the money on the things that are not important to them. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I personally, I think for some families, it's again, every, every one of those methods has a pros and corn, right? So I guess that, um, so you mentioned, so that was the food pipe, the, uh, food pipe, what about accommodation and other, uh, things that were essential for life in, in the camps? What was that like for most of, uh, the the campers. Oh yeah, when uh, a family or a person arrive in the camp, yeah. then uh, we have the camp manager, yeah. which will which has people, and yeah. those people will be able to give you a piece of land, yeah. and they will build for you your first house, yeah. and they will give you all the bedding that you need, all the things that you need in your house. Okay, so you kind of welcomed into the camp with the. Uh a few necessities uh, to make you feel at home. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and talk about uh, a little bit about uh, social interactions between different uh, campus uh, from different uh, backgrounds. What was that like, uh, given that some people didn't have a, a language in common? So how is that communication in that sense? Uh, one thing that the, uh, the, the managers in the camp did was that they put people we speak the same languages in the same groups yeah. and, and we get to interact with each other in the schools because that is where we were introduced to learn yeah. uh, Kiswahili and yeah. English. And then these people were able to communicate in the same language. Oh, okay. Nice. So, um, you mentioned how the last, uh, war in 2013, uh, really affected you uh, firsthand as opposed to the first two. Uh, how how did it affect you in that sense? Uh, first of all, I told you that I arrived in the camp in 2004. Yeah. And in 2007, I went back home yeah. and I was able to stay with my family for uh, quite a few years. Yeah. And then I came back to Kakuma yeah. in 2011. Yeah. When I was in Kenya, uh, war erupted in Juba and it spread out and it went to uh, one of the biggest states, which was Bor, yeah. where my family was, and yeah. it was all captured by rebel. And the only way they could escape was to try to use boats to cross the river Nile and went to the other side of the Nile. So when this war was taking place, I was worried because I thought like my fam I lost my family because uh, the rebel captured the village and they were burning down everything. And I didn't, I was not able to communicate with my family for like a week. Yeah. And yeah, and then after a week, they called me and they told me that they are safe and yeah. they are on the other side of the Nile. Yeah. And so that worried you uh for uh, a bit there right yeah so was was your family able to be uh, uh in a safe space after that uh, did did they where did they go to after the, they left to flee uh when they cr uh, crossed the nile to the other side there was a idp camps yeah so they stayed there for like a month yeah and then my sister helped them to move to cross the border yeah. and went to Kakuma. So when you mention your sister, where is she in this picture to be able to help? Oh, my <laughs> sister went to Australia yeah. in 2007. And is that as a result of the second war? Uh, I kind of because like she was married when her husband is uh was among the refugee uh the lost boy oh, oh the lost boy was resettled in australia oh okay so, so as a result then yeah as a yeah. result of the second and the first war oh, okay so then with the help of your sister the rest of your family was able to make it to kakuma after the sec the, th the third after the third, war, the third right. war yeah okay so um given that you had that experience what uh do you do you go back to think about those moments or is it some that 
you've healed from at this point? Oh yeah, it's uh, I they do come back sometimes when then you will think about the kind of life that you used to live back then in southern Sudan. Yeah, because we used to have like cows. Yeah, and goats and we had a small piece of land that we cultivated and and small houses that were there yeah. and that's where i first built my house and those things were burned down yeah so, so in a way you lost you lost the life yeah you lost the you lost the memories you lost the life you 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 had you lost the first of most of the things right like the first house the first place you called home and yeah those are sentimental things so i guess it he leaves a mark then eh? yeah sure yeah. yeah it's something that i it's always come back and i remember those things that i lost so um in kakuma you started uh, a new life or pretty much a pre-existing life from the first time you went to kakuma in 2004 right and and, and then again went back to south sudan just moved back to Kakuma just in time for the third one. Uh, did did you lose anybody in the process of the third uh, war there? It's like a family member or anything? Yeah, yeah. I lost relatives. Oh. Uncles. Yeah. Yeah, in the process because uh, uh, when the rebel captured that area, yeah. they were killing almost everyone and uh, most of people that I know were most of uh, my relative in the village, the yeah. men, they yeah. were trying to protect the, the women and children. Yeah. And in the process, they were killed. Yeah. So that, that, that left the mark in a way as well. You might have lost the family, friends and relatives and also friends too, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you had friends who wanted to stand up for other people and in the process lost their lives. Oh yeah, in the same yeah, in the same way, I lost contact with most of my friends when we grew up together because yeah. uh, some went to a uh, refugee camp in Uganda and yeah. others are still in South Sudan. Yeah. And I was in in Kakuma with few that came. Yeah. Have you been able to get in touch with a few of your friends uh, from that? Yeah, like currently because of like uh, the social media, yeah. uh, we do find ourselves. Uh, on uh, Facebook, and yeah. then we'll begin to text each other and try to get in touch. Yeah, get 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 the get get to uh, connect again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think uh, it kind of builds and uh, tries to bury away the pain, right? When you when you reconnect with somebody from the past, uh, given that experience, given that exposure that you both had, right? So um uh living in kakuma uh you met one of the one of the one, like most of your friends today right so yeah. um how is that like what what experiences would you say you value the most being in kakuma and, or living in kakuma uh one of the biggest experience that i had learned in kakuma is to be on my own and try to start new life and yeah. try to make new friends yeah. and yeah like in calm you are you've come as with free hands yeah. 
and then there you will get maybe a piece of land to live on and that will not be enough for you yeah. you will need something so that when you go back uh, maybe in the future you'll have something with you yeah so i was able to attend school work hard and try also to start some few business to support my family and yeah. to uh, start new life there oh, okay so is that a success so far uh not really because okay yeah it's kind of like the yeah, business is not a success but like education yeah that yeah. is a step you know that's one of the key things that you know we, we need to count the little steps of success right yeah yeah, yeah. and so is would you say that's one of them uh first of all let's expound on how you made it to canada uh you know it's it's a big journey and if you don't mind you know throwing some light on that because it's probably thankful to the, the yeah camp, you know yeah uh in the camp it's either you work hard yeah and get good grades to be able to apply for a world university service of canada scholarship yeah to come here yeah. or maybe through uh, your luck somewhere yeah your family might be called by uh, unhcr and you will be lucky to be resettled in canada yeah usa or australia, australia or uk yeah and for me i really work at when i was in high school yeah. and i got the grades that were required yeah. to apply for the scholarship and the sponsorship that brought me here yeah. and yeah i finished my high school in 2016 yeah and I start my process. I was so happy yeah. when result result came out that I got the grade that the yeah. minimum grade that is required yeah. to apply for uh, the sponsorship. But uh, I apply and I fail yeah. uh, during my first application. Yeah. And I wait for another year yeah. and I reapply again and I got it. Yeah. So you mentioned applying and failing. It must be the same process for everyone else most people have known have tried and tried and it's a process it's it's a struggle the competition is tough because it's not uniform right you agree yeah. with me in that right yeah it's not yeah. a uniform um, competition it is a competition but not quite uniform because i'm sure there's people who applied with you and more likely were less qualified and got in the first shot yeah it's uh something that we know in africa there is a lot of corruption yeah, and yeah. there are people who especially in kenya you can buy grades and yeah. then you use them to apply for this kind of scholarships yeah yeah and another thing is that the number of uh, people that are required or sponsored through the scholarship are like less and then almost everyone every student in come work really hard to apply for this scholarship nice and thankful to your smartness and genius you made it here right oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i made it yeah because yeah. i work out and so uh, what are some of the uh, experiences that you would like for the people in kakuma you know what what would you do to change the the conditions there what would you like to see different what would you like to see be done different uh, one of the things that uh, must be done to change things in the camp is uh, to improve uh, education. Yeah. Because like uh, 
the system of education that we have in the CAM is quite, uh, we had uh, like a very large number of students and few qualified teachers that uh, teach in the CAM. Yeah. And in that kind, like the teachers are not enough to talk the total number of students yeah. uh, that we have in the CAM. And that is something that need to change. And if that change, then like the life of people who are born in the camp or those who move into the camp yeah. for them to be able to move outside with something or yeah. to change that kind of life whereby you are born in the camp yeah. and you will get married there yeah. and you will raise your children and they will go to the same kind of school you went into yeah. that system must be changed through education yeah so you saying you need we we need to strive to get people out of uh generations and generations are living in the camp yeah. because if if you don't quite get the best uh, better education more likely the kids that follow will be in the same system so you striving for better education therefore better competition for the rest of the people in the countries because i think for some refugees they had a, a life wherever they were right they yeah. were probably in a one of the best schools in their countries, wherever they were, and they were affected by this. So uh, you, your suggestion here is to better that for everybody. Yeah, and another thing that we should know is that these people here, the refugees in the camp, if they are well educated, then they will be able to transform the kind of civil war that are taking place in their own countries. Yeah. And yeah, and then they can be able to uh, get into the community and they can go back to the calm and they will be able to help yeah. and change the calm yeah change the lifestyle yeah. that is there. so this is by you saying this this is you saying you're going to work on this at some point in the future right yeah okay that i mean that's that's and that's what we all strive for we strive to make better where we come from like um i i speak for myself but I'm guessing it's most people. We we we're not. We come from uh, Africa, right? And and we want to go back and make it better. So we try strive to get the knowledge and experience here to much better where we come from. So I, I like that aspect that you mentioned there. So, uh, what what is what is living in Canada like for you? If you you might compare, or you just might say, what is it like living in Canada? I've been uh, here a year and a couple months now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so far, like, uh, living here in Canada is, uh, is a new experience for me yeah. and it's not kind of, uh, tough or hard for me to adapt into this kind of life because I first moved from a certain kind of life, yeah. went to the calm yeah. and I started new life there. So the same thing here and like the things the life in canada is not hot and i cannot compare it with the hot sun yeah. of kakuma yeah <laughs> so you, you you're switching gears to the weather right there <laughs> yeah even yeah. though there are kind of like hot weather where like we yeah. have winter when it is really cold but like yeah. we had like the system that can make us survive we yeah. eat our houses yeah. and yeah. we can stay yeah so uh do you miss home oh yeah, yeah. everyone miss home sometimes <laughs> what do you miss about home 
uh one thing that i miss most about home and in this case i have two home the yeah. cam and yeah. south sudan yeah. so in the cam what i miss most is my friend yeah. seeing people that i used to see in the street in the cam yeah. the neighbors yeah and walking around with cousins yeah and like all the people that i know back and yeah. another thing i used to teach in uh, high school and yeah. yeah i miss the interaction with those with the students yeah i have a I have a taste of uh teaching i uh, i taught a college class uh, and it's it's quite interactive the connections we make when we teach is uh quite interesting uh it's an interpersonal relationship there that you don't really you don't look for it you just you just right there in and, and i guess for you it's something that i mean you've you you're very smart I'll say that, <laughs> and you have a, a, a nice way of ex, uh, explaining your knowledge to others, and it's it's something I, I'm, I don't want to say, but I think you should continue doing that. It's nice. Oh yeah, and like uh, another good thing about these people is that like the most students that I taught usually uh, nowadays I get their messages yeah. uh, on social media and they will be like thank you you helped me yeah. and now I have finished my high school and I'm trying to go to college yeah. or I'm trying to go to a community uh, technical training so yeah. that I will learn some basic skills that will help me. Nice, nice. So if if the conditions were to change in South Sudan or Kakuma or would you go back in the snap? Oh, yeah. And uh, one thing that I know is that, like, uh, it's especially in South Sudan, mm. uh, there are people who were displaced before me, yeah. uh, the first people, the, the, lost, the lost boy, the lost boys, and other group of people. We are the people that will transform our country. So, yeah, yeah. we need to acquire all the skills that we want and we will take that skill back home. Yeah. So what is, what is your, uh, one, uh, I guess it's more of a suggestion or, a plea for the contribution of the people that have had the knowledge and expertise to try and make better the situation politically, economically, and all those, uh, life, other uh, factors better in South Sudan in general, what, what is because you've mentioned you want to better, you want to go back and make it better because um, divisions and wars are not only in South Sudan, they're everywhere as you, as you've, <laughs> as we've all come to conclude, it's just a tougher and a bit more, they're a bit different despite them being the same, they're a bit different. So, what is one thing you strive for better South Sudan in terms of the political environment and as well as the social environment? Uh, the most cause of wars in most Africa countries are politicians. Yeah. And they use that. Mm -hmm. uh, they use their tribe to uh, cause conflict and yeah. to gain power yeah. and they use their people to fight against the other people. It's yeah. tribe against tribe. Yeah. And that thing should change. Like each person should not support politician. These mm. people are in offices. They are living in big uh, houses, much better kind of life than yeah. the people that they used to, to gain the power. So it's upon us, these people to accept each other and live in peace and 
instead of listening to what politicians want and making us fight against each other. So in a sense, you're saying it's a, it's a, it's a global thing, basically, because it's the same strive that we're working for in North America and all uh, with, you know, Black Lives Matter and um, the strive for equality with all the people. It's unity, basically. And how best do you think in Africa, especially, we able to do that uh, union? Because, uh, I mean, for myself growing up, I, I would see these differences, you know, uh, people would tag different tribes. Oh, so-and-so is going to do this, so-and-so. There was even jobs that were known for particular tribes. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, no, you can't do that job. So-and-so is going to, you know, so what is that? How can we change that approach uh, towards equality and distribution of uh, opportunities in, in, in Africa? Uh, for me to change this, we need to go back to the point that I say about education. Yeah. So if everyone is educated and yeah. we will have, we will be commun talking in the same language yeah. and we will be knowing uh, our right and knowing that like everyone has the same right as us yeah. so that we have consider equality and yeah. we will not discriminate others because yeah. of their color or yeah. their tribe yeah. or their country. Yeah. So uh, in Africa, it's a big problem. Uh, education is not easily accessible uh, as opposed to North America, as you've seen in Canada, uh, at least uh, someone knows how to read and write, right? Now, big challenge in, in Africa is very few, uh, you know, it's a struggle uh, for people even to just know how to read, let alone write. So uh, communication. So how, how best can we at least attain the goal of having at least uh, maybe uh, 60% of the population being able to read and write uh, in English or any other language, at least? Uh, the best way we can make sure that everyone get that opportunity of going to school and learning uh, the basic skill of writing and reading. Yeah. Uh, need all of us to uh, support and uh, contribute to the uh, small community school that we have and this is start with like one person you need to contribute to support these uh, NGOs that are trying to uh, give our children yeah. opportunity to learn especially UNICEF and other non-governmental organizations yeah. that are doing uh, those kind of steps. All right so uh... We mentioned earlier, uh, and you've, you've also mentioned it's school. Uh, within Canada, how best can we make and contribute forces and contribute information and contribute uh, towards helping the situation back home? Uh, I know, I, I don't know if you're aware about the South Sudanese communities in, in Calgary and Winnipeg and uh, all around Canada. Um, I yet haven't found out if there's any in, in Vancouver, but is there one? You probably know better. Yeah, yeah, there are 
South Sudanese communities everywhere, yeah. and especially in Vancouver, there is quite a number. Yeah. So how would you pass on the information? Because that uh, I find that uh, um, for something to be done, we need to pass on our opinions and pass on suggestions. So have you pitched that out to them? Because they're probably much more better situated to be able to contribute to it at this point. So have you been able to pitch that idea? Because um, I, I think we don't want to wait till it's too late, right? Yeah, I have uh, talked with some of uh, our community leaders, especially here in Canada. Yeah. And they are doing well in trying to contribute to uh, supporting young children, yeah. and especially in the camp. Yeah. So they have kind of small uh, scholarship program yeah. for students that are doing well and they are supporting some of the few school back in the camp. Oh, okay. So we, uh, in, in at least from my experience in Winnipeg, we had uh, a few cases of people that uh, uh, moved to Canada and because they were in the camps, didn't have quite a bit of um, exposure to reading and writing. Uh, didn't quite like school. What do you do for people, even back home, even here, that just don't like the act of going to school and preferably would learn, would like to learn a skill like carpentry? Or, would that be something that we could like, imply to the situation back home? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we go to school to learn a better way of life yeah. and maybe get a job at the end of it yeah. and to be able to support yourself. And yeah. if someone chooses a different way, yeah. maybe doing a business, learning yeah. business skills and start a business yeah. or learning other skills that he can apply outside to support himself, yeah. then we will, we will support them and but encourage them to do that. How do we emphasize and try to implement the uh the process uh, or the reading and writing skill because i mean the, you can still be carpenter and all that that's really important to the community we need buildings to be up we need desks to be built right but we also would like people to be able to read and write right that is one of the things because um i think that's that's the point you mentioned earlier the education is once you can read, you read information that will be helpful to help venture down these political uh, warfares that we have, right? So um, how can we best, between our communities, how can we best do that so that we don't lose some of ourselves in that sense of, oh, uh, because we, we do have people who are against the English language, right? So, oh yeah, it's a colonial language, right? But if you look at it, it's a global language at the point at this point. It's, uh, so how do we best get people to pick interest in learning uh, how to read and write English or I would say English and other languages? Yeah, the best way we can uh, encourage people to be able to try to learn this new kind of languages is uh, just tell them and educate them that like when you learn these new languages, you will be able to talk to your neighbors that yeah. are 
coming all the way from different country yeah. and the only thing that will unite you mm -hmm. is the same language that you will be able to speak and therefore you will know what is going on with them and what you want them to know from you so it's uh we are we can also add uh these languages into our kind of maybe technical training yeah. whereby like if someone just want to learn uh, carpentry you will also be able to learn the language so that when he's trying to do the business yeah. or uh do some things for people coming from different kind of yeah. uh background then you will be able to communicate with them yeah. and have that understanding with uh them yeah okay so what message do you have to the young youth out there uh in kakuma or in, in all around Canada too, or just just the youth that are trying uh, and trying to strive for unity, uh, whether be it in 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 Kakuma, in Kenya in general, or in East Africa, in Africa globally. What is one thing? Because we're facing that every day. Uh, we're still facing inequality in terms of uh, you know, like in, in Canada here, we have a fair share black people and not treated quite about the same, right? So how do we best, what's the message you have for the youth out there to possibly help change that, whether they're white, black, whatever. So what is the message you have? Uh, my message to everyone is that uh, change will always start within you yeah. and then it will go there outside. So for us to change, then we need to start it ourselves. and behave nice to everyone and in that way yeah. they will uh give us back what we show them yeah uh a good example here in canada uh not far from us uh, in chilliwack uh, they have the black black backpack program where they're encouraging people to uh, learn about the diversities in different cultures within the kids themselves right uh do you think that is something we could uh possibly adopt in the African countries? Oh yeah, it will be nice to introduce our young kids to uh, the different diverse, cultures. Yeah, and and not have that hate between each other, right? Yeah, because and yeah. another thing is like uh, currently in the world we are able to go to school. I know it's not there, but like in some, in few situations you find yourself in school with people from different background yeah. and yeah. that will start there yeah. and then it will go outside from you with you yeah. and you'll have that knowledge so uh you basically reiterating the importance of school because when we meet in school we meet people from different cultures and different backgrounds and we should that teamwork we practice in school should go outside of school right so yeah. i guess yeah yeah that's a very, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I would like to have you back and we'll talk more in the progress and what is more out there for people to uh, help improve the unity among ourselves here in Canada and Africa and all those other countries. So thanks so much. Thank uh, you for having me. And yeah. I would like uh, to get in touch with you again. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you're a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh. For many years, refugees that seek and find asylum have had a hard time. 
They face challenges such as not being accepted into their new communities, homesickness, and loneliness. We hope that we are able to change this and perhaps better their lives in various ways. So make a contribution to helping the resettlement of a refugee if you know of one. And if you don't, maybe reach out and find out if there's any in your community. It's not a plea for mercy. It's not a plea for sympathy. It's more help for people to find a better new, to find a peaceful new, because everything's new to them. This was not a choice that they were refugees. They happened to be in that place because of the problems we earlier mentioned in this episode. So, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. So for more information, be sure to subscribe to the Pie Chat Box and follow on social media for more information, especially on Instagram at the Pie Chat Box and Facebook at the Pie Chat Box. So stay tuned and stay blessed.